We Americans love rebellious stories. We think that the rebels are the ones who've got it right most of the time. Some names that come to mind, at least just in my thinking. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was a rebel because in the martial arts world, you did not deviate from the martial art that you were trained in. You did not train in other martial arts at the time. You did not take from one martial art and mix it together with another. He was despised and hated by many of the people who would have been his peers. He became one of the greatest martial artists of all time. He's also one of the greatest philosophers of all time which is also quite interesting. He was a very unique and rebellious individual, but created something very new, which now leads us to something that still seems rebellious, even though now it's millions and millions of dollars, mixed martial arts. Steve Jobs. Lots of people, you know, sort of had bowed at the feet of Steve Jobs and his creative ideas and the way that his, the aesthetic that he put into these very functional machines that we called computers at the time. I would guess how many of you have an Apple product with you right now? Raise your hand. Yeah, I think Steve Jobs, at least his influence, did pretty well in getting that out to us, making something functional and beautiful at the same time. Elon Musk. Now, here's a little more controversy, perhaps, but definitely rebellious individual, does things his own way, is revolutionizing the automobile industry at least, and maybe will revolutionize other industries. Here's the interesting thing about rebels, at least in my memory and in American history. Who can come up with a female rebel immediately off the top of your head right now? Give me a name. Helen Keller. I'm sorry, who said? Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Say again. Glory Steinem. Okay, very good. You guys are much better than I am. I was really having trouble for whatever reason off the top of my head coming up with females, and I think that's a problem. We don't do a good enough job talking about those revolutionary females that are part of our story. We sort of lift up being a rebellious house, in a sense. We talk about the founding fathers. Just remember all the women that were behind those founding fathers. Maybe some of them actually giving them the ideas. If you ever get a chance, watch the HBO miniseries based on the book John Adams. You'll find out a lot about the women that were behind that, at least in my mind. But we love thinking about them as rebels. We like thinking about them as starting out on their own, doing their own thing. And yes, in that John Adams series, there's this great line where they talk about, you know, for the first time in human history, a group of people chose the government that they were going to live under. They created it and crafted it from the ideas that they'd had and from things that had gone before. It wasn't necessarily brand new, but it was very new in the sense that they created it and chose it for themselves and decided to live under that. Yes, it was a rebellion against a monarchy, 
against not being represented in that monarchy. It brought in some new ideas that supposedly every person was supposed to have their own value and worth, except if you had different body parts and had different color skin. So we had some great words, but as Theodore Roosevelt said, basically, we said the words, but our actions didn't didn't express those words, and so basically, we lie. Theodore Roosevelt, president of our country, talking about our country lying about freedom and democracy and calling us to our better selves, that what we would do and what we would say would line up. Well, we theologians know something about that, don't we? Protestants especially understand the nature of our brokenness. And as we look at this scripture and from Ezekiel, God says, I'm going to send you to these people. You're going to be a prophet to these people. You're going to speak my words. You're going to say the Lord said, but they're a rebellious house. And they're probably not going to listen to you, even though these words come from me. They're going to do what they think is in their best interest, not in mine. They'd already been given the Ten Commandments, but as we often have a hard time, as Katie was saying, we, they broke those as well. If it became expedient or in our own interest, then we do those things. We rebel against the way things are when it's convenient for us. And here's the other thing. If things are a certain way and someone comes and shows us a different way, we are the rebellious house in saying that we will dig our heels in. That's something new. That's not good. Who are you to show us this different thing or to call us out on how we've been doing things and call us to something different? And that's exactly what happens here in this scripture. Jesus comes to his hometown. Katie went home and followed the rules of her own household, and what happened? Who are you to lock that cabinet? That's my cabinet. You've gotten a little bit big for your britches, young lady. And besides, it's not 75 degrees out yet, so you're supposed to be wearing long britches, not short britches. But Jesus comes back, and he's teaching in the synagogue. He comes and and he's sharing a word with them as he was free to do as a, as a Jewish male of a certain age. He's, he's free to come and, and to teach in the synagogue. And he comes and people are just there. They're like, where, where did he get this? It isn't, isn't this the carpenter's son? We say carpenter. The word, the word is tecton. And we get a really awesome word from this. Architecton architect. But a tecton is someone who works with their hands. Probably, Jesus may have worked with wood, his father may have worked with wood, but more likely the tectons of the time, who were basically day laborers, we think, they probably worked more with stone. Because Sepphoris, which was near Nazareth, was a much larger town and much more of a center of commerce. If you go there, you see the remnants. There's a lot of stone masonry that was done there because wood in northern Israel is not necessarily that plentiful. 
Where did he get this? What is this wisdom that's been given to him? It's just, I don't know, again, if you've ever gone back home and and you've done certain things. I'll never forget the story when Jennifer was teaching in southern Ohio. There was this great story that there was this, this gentleman who grew up in this school district and southern Appalachian or near the Appalachian Mountains and, and it had been coal country and so it had been very wealthy and there were towns that you would drive by and there, there had been these casinos and these, these hotels and all these things but now they were completely dilapidated and drugs were rampant in these communities. But this young man had grown up there and, and, and he graduated from there and he'd gone on to university and he'd become a superintendent of schools in one of the largest school districts in, in Ohio. And at the peak of his career, an opportunity came to be the superintendent of schools back in his home school district. And he went back home. And I bet you know where this story ends. He didn't last long. You left us, and now you're going to come back and tell us what to do? I think he lasted less than five years. Because they couldn't accept the fact that this hometown boy had gone off and might be able to bring something back that was different. The rebellious house was, we will stay just the way we are. Thank you very much. Is this not the Tecton, the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and not his sisters here with us? Of course, no mention of Joseph. This brings up a lot of confusion in the biblical commentary. A lot of people think that maybe, maybe Joseph died, this sort of thing. A lot of things are made of that then these people that get mentioned here as his sisters and brothers are not really his sisters and brothers that they're stepsisters and brothers because we want a perpetual Virgin Mary. So if you hear some of that stuff, just know that that's a lot of... And so then it says, here's the rebellious house, they took offense at him. They couldn't hear the word that he was bringing to them because of who they had assigned to him who he was, you know, who they, who they decided who, who he was. They knew, they'd seen him as a child, so like, oh, well, that's, that's who Jesus is, and so he can't become something more or something different, because that would mean that we might need to become something more, something different. And Jesus said this very famous thing, prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. I mean, sometimes this is good, right? I mean, some of us, you know, you go off and you, you accomplish some things and you come home and, you know, you're just your mama's kid. You know, sometimes you, you need that. You need that humbling sort of thing, you know? Just, re- just remember I brought you into this world and remember I can take you out of this world. But in this case, this rebellious house is, he said, he was amazed at their lack of faith, that, that because they had assigned to him a particular role and a particular way of being, that they couldn't see in him the spirit and the power of God. They couldn't divorce the man from his message or the person they thought he was in his message. This rebellious house digs in its heels and is having a hard time receiving this new word that's coming to them. Well, I don't know about you, but the events of the past year and a half or so, some of those words have been hard to hear. As a white male in this society, to hear things about privilege, 
to hear things that you've gotten things and had doors open to you that others didn't when in my mind I'm thinking, well, I worked really hard for a lot of those things. My rebellious house inside of me wants to dig my heels in and say, no, that's not true. That's not real. I don't want to hear any of this. Everybody's got equal opportunity. But I've been humbled by all of that. And I had to humble myself and I had to sit at the feet of my brothers and sisters, people of color, to listen to their stories and to to hear from them what it means to live in this free America. And some of it is heart-wrenching. And for a while, just to be confessional, I felt sorry for myself. But then I thought about this quote from... Theodore Roosevelt, because I I believe in freedom and I believe in opportunity and I I believe in giving people a chance to rise above and to be educated and to have valuable work and and to make something of themselves no matter where they come from, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been. Theologically, I believe in confession and forgiveness. I believe in second chances and and resurrection and in my own mind, I've had to come to the fact that I've got to start living that. For myself. I can't just be saying the words on a Sunday morning, but somehow I, I, I've got to embody this thing. And what that means is I can't dig my heels in on my own life. I've got to walk forward with an open heart and mind to hear, to hear the testimony of the great and amazing people who make up this country that we call America to embrace something that is true freedom. And first, for me, that is found in faith. That is found in embracing who Jesus was, his teaching, and what his death and resurrection means for all of us, which means a real freedom to speak truth at every point in our lives, to be able to confess to be able to mess up and have that second chance. To be able to own our difficulties and our issues. But also to step forward in the strength and the freedom and the spirit that Christ gives us. Second, to say thank you for all of those who've, who've gone before us. Those, those rebels, those, those people who have called us, as Abraham Lincoln would have said, to our better angels. We're still working on that as a country. I think it will be the lifelong work for all of us to find the ways that we can love one another, can live as full citizens, and bring along all of the people that are around us. And I believe that coming out of our faith as Christians, that is our prerogative We should be leading that charge. That should be the way we are a rebellious house, is that we speak against all the things that hold people back, that we seek to work for the good of all, not in a strident, angry rebellion, but in a rebellion that draws people together, that listens to all the sides and the voices and seeks to form some sort of way forward. Maybe not where we're all happy, but where we're all making progress 
toward an end that lifts up every house and that takes action. So I think it's interesting that as Jesus comes to this place where he is not honored in his hometown, he then sends the disciples out to act. He gives them power and he tells them how to act in the world And they're proclaiming that all should repent. They should repent of their brokenness, repent of their sin, so that they might be drawn to God again. And through that, they were able to cast out demons. And they were able to cure the sick. So may we become that kind of rebellious house. A rebellious house that draws people together and moves us forward in a true freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.